This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey everybody, welcome to the Survival Show podcast with me, David, and we've got some special guests along where it's going to be our job to take you step-by-step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear. You need to survive almost any crisis, emergency, or disaster. It's our goal that when we all leave out of here today, that we're better prepared at the end of the show than we are right now. So we've got so much to cover today, and no Craig today, it's me and... I'll introduce my special guests here in a little bit, but here's what we're going to talk about. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world, and uh, maybe before we get into all this, I want to welcome our audio podcast listeners, and I want to welcome again our YouTube watchers and listeners and our Facebook watchers. Thank you guys for joining us today. You guys seem to be enjoying this format, so we're going to keep it going. Today, we're going to kind of break things down into some different segments. But our main topic is very important, and you're going to find out why with our special guests here in a few minutes. But are there some key indicators going on in our world right now that may be pointing to a global food shortage in the near future? That's going to be a question that we're going to dig into. And so I'm going to bring in my good friend, Bob Gaskin of Emory Nation and uh, Minotaur Trading Company. He is a long-term storage food expert, a survival expert, a business uh, super entrepreneur, a great guy, and he's just very knowledgeable about many, many things. And I, I just want to, he's our food expert for sure. And uh, and then, then I'm going to introduce our, our newest addition to the team here at Ultimate Survival Tips and the Survival Show podcast, Gabe Petrovsky. I may refer to him as the professor, and you'll find out why <laughs> in a few minutes. He's actually sitting across the table from me right now uh, in the studio, and uh, we'll get into that. But he's going to bring us some geopolitical news, uh, some stuff that has to do with China also, and uh, bring that into the equation because there's been so much going on in the U.S. Uh, we may have taken our sight off of some geopolitical things that are going on that may be affecting us and may affect us in the near future. Then I'm going to share with you, we are going to share with you the seven tiers of building your survival food cache. You need to pay attention to this. Start with the easiest tiers first and we'll go from there. And some of you guys don't know what an MRE is. We're going to go back to the basics a little bit, have Bob talk to us about what an MRE is and what it isn't. And whew, probably a lot more. We got a full show ahead, but before we get into all this, I want to thank our sponsors. Yes, Tiny Survival Guide. We're going to be working a little bit out of section two. And this Tiny Survival Guide also has, uh, I think it's 24 lists. So a lot of the lists we're going to talk about today are actually in the Tiny Survival Guide. You can get these at tinysurvival.com, ultimatesurvivaltips.com, and we are an Amazon pick for the keywords survival guide. Uh, 
So pretty cool over there. So pick you up some tiny survival guides and MSK-1 knife for 2020. We've got the MSK-1 primitive, half the price of the original MSK-1. You can see it right there. Pretty nice deal. We've got the new MSK-1 Elite made out of, out of 154 CM stainless steel on a proprietary blend of uh, Cerakote. And I mean, in times like these, everybody needs an MSK-1 Elite Warrior Knife. It's a triple bladed monster. We have our full fine edge here. We've got a top edge and we've got a serrated edge there. Check those out at msk1knife.com or Ultimate Survival Tips. So let me bring Gabe in here. Hey, Gabe. Hey, how's, it, how's going? it going? Hey, first time on the podcast. Uh, Gabe recently jo joined our staff here. Gabe is also my son-in-law. He normally, it's probably going to be awkward for him. He usually calls me dad. He's <laughs> going to call me Dave or David here, right? I think that's the way it's going to work. <laughs> and uh, Gabe is a real history buff. Uh, he, we, I joke around with him, but he, I say that he's got almost a photographic memory, which he would dispute with me, but um, I've had conversations with him and he can go the whole way back to the uh, beginning of recorded history and tell us all about why things are the way they are and how they got that way. And uh, he is also uh, serving here as our head of uh, product development and or product manufacturing and production, which means what, Gabe? That means loss of packaging. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he packs all of our tiny survival guides and our survival kits and all of that. Uh, Gabe, so I don't know. I, I feel like I'm ready to bring Bob in here and we got to get into this content. What do you think? Sounds great. All right, let's bring Bob in. Bob, my friend, how are you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you doing? <laughs> good. Hey, um, Bob's been on the podcast, I think, at least two times before. All right. So for you guys that are following along in the Tiny Survival Guide, you can go ahead and get your guides out because we are dipping into this thing again. And we will continue to do so because about every about almost everything we talk about in every podcast is covered in here in one way or another. But if you're in your tiny survival guide, go to section B. There's an expert tip in the bottom right-hand corner of that, of that section, and it's called the critical rules of threes. And here's the critical rules of threes, and there's a reason that I'm mentioning this. When three strange things get your attention or go wrong, stop what you're doing, regroup, and consider a new plan. Don't ignore three anomalies. If you pay attention to those three anomalies and make a new plan, that'll probably serve you really good. Now we're just talking about three anomalies here in the critical rule of threes. And there are, I have at least one, two, three, nine. I have at least nine anomalies that we're facing right now in just the United States that I wanna encourage you guys do not ignore these anomalies. We can't normalize what's going on right now because if we do, we're going to be caught off guard. I totally understand this idea, Bob and Gabe, that, that people want things to become, be back to normal. We all want that, right? But 
if we think that we've got this pandemic nailed and that's the only thing our focus is on right now, or even uh, the pandemic, let me just name off some of these and you guys can throw in anything else that you see, but we've got this pandemic. It's crazy. And it doesn't seem like it's going to go away anytime soon. We've got uh, so much division in our country. We've got riots that have uh, protests that have been hijacked into full scale riots. Uh, The whole black lives matters things we've got. I think I've got more than 10. The Mark Marxist tear it all down mentality that's rising in our, our country and allowing uh, we're allowing it to fester in many ways. Defund police. What? Seriously. I can't get over it. Whenever I think of it, it's like, that's crazy. Like, what do you do? Who do you call when you have a disaster? If you defund the police, you're going to call somebody. And if the government starts setting up or if not the government, even local officials start setting up their own private security. Now that private security isn't even, res- you know, responsible to the people. Our current police system is at least responsible to the people, but you get private security in there that could potentially be uncontrollable by anybody but their beloved leader, the governor of, say, New York, maybe. <laughs> and, and, and I'll let you, Bob, I know you're always itching to jump in, but I'll let you guys jump in here in a second. We're in an election year. We've got this whole controversy of mail-in ballots. We've got so many factors just with the elections that uh, potentially it seems like it's being set up that uh, some may say that regardless of what the results are, it could be invalid. And then we've got one candidate who's really not even there. Sorry. He's just not. Are you laughing, Bob? I am. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm going to leave you space on there. We've got the new lockdown, right? No school in the fall. So we had a friend. A friend was over uh, taking some of our chickens to his home. So they'll live out their happy little lives at his place, at his farm, forever and ever. Uh, because he's smart and he wants the chicken manure. And we're smart and we don't want to feed them anymore because <laughs> they're really old, uh, non-laying laying hens. And uh, anyway, he is, uh, he works with the Pennsylvania school system. And I just asked him point blank, are we going back to school in Pennsylvania in the fall? And he said, I say, I don't think we are. Yeah, we're not, we're not going back to school in the fall. Yeah. And, and we're not even really talking about this much, but all this crazy government spending, when are we going to go over, go over the cliff on that? So. You guys, go ahead and kick in whatever you want. <laughs> Where do we begin with that? Uh, there's, you left out the 17 countries that are dealing with locust plagues. You left out the United Nations report that um, uh, that we are living in a world of a, a biblically apocalyptic scenarios. Um, well, we're let's keep yeah. it to the United States now because we're going to jump into some international stuff here with a little update with Gabe. Gotcha. Cool. I think you pretty much said it all then. (laughs) (laughs) So I I think I had nine things listed, but there were subcategories to these. So, okay. So remember this, the critical rule of threes. Remember this. There are unprecedented things going on right now. We want things to be normal. We've lived in general societal stability for many, many, many years. Things have gotten back to a sense of normal. 
But I'm just feeling, Bob and Gabe, that things have changed. How about you? I feel like there's a, a willingness to give in to fear, a willingness to be led by fear. You know, the the pandemic in, you know, February and March, as bad as it was, you know, I was on the road through all of uh, February and March and got home in April. And the food shortage was largely induced by fear. You know, it's not that there isn't a uh, new food shortage is looming and Bob will share more about that. Uh, but, um, but when, if, when the pandemic first hit, everybody went out and panic bought and they, you know, and then suddenly when you needed to buy normal supplies, you couldn't, but if everybody had been a little bit patient, you know, that supply chain would have been in much better shape. And, uh, I think that shows a willingness to be led by fear, to be led by the media fear mongering and that, that unthinking fear without the critical, questioning why are we doing what we're doing why is my reaction this way how can i be more level-headed seems like that willingness to be level-headed and to question the media is being left left off and people just auto response acting out of fear and doing whatever whatever the media says they should be doing i think that's a big change a big shift in the american psyche that's really good now bob uh, i'm going to bring you in here because uh, bob and i have been in contact about uh, some, just some things. And Bob mentioned, dude, we need to talk soon because there's some crazy things going on with the supply chain and, uh, and long-term storage food. And, and so we, we did, we did chat. We chatted for a, a short bit and you had get, sent me some text on what, what's going on, but I did, have not gotten the full story and our listeners and watchers know nothing right now. So uh, uh, bring us into that world and what you've seen going on as some key indicators that we really need to be paying attention about and to. Okay, so first of all, I, I agree with the fact that a lot of the buying and a lot of the shortages we dealt with in the early days were from panic buying from people that are being led by fear. And normally... driven disaster, yeah. Yeah, normally I try to tell people, you know, if you prepare for the worst and hope for the best, then no matter what happens, you'll be okay because you'll be prepared for that, right? So there's nothing to be afraid of. Eyes open, no fear, the whole nine yards. But let me tell you something right now. If uh, if you don't have everything that your family needs to to survive on for three to five years, you, you do need to be afraid. You... Everybody in this country, everybody in the planet. Three to five years? Yes. Everybody on the planet right now, not just in our country, but everybody globally should be terrified about what's going on right now. And I'm not I'm not the type of person to spread fear. I, I go out there and I, you know, I dispel the, the conspiracy theories and try to get people to follow the bouncing red ball to the end and realize, mm -hmm. no, this is... This is somebody's opinion. This is not fact. You know, blah blah blah. Don't pay attention to conspiracies. I mean, really, who who, care, who cares if we actually landed on the moon or not? I got I got a cold tang drink out of it, and I got this awesome pin that writes upside down underwater. I love the space program. I don't care if it's fake or not. <laughs> yeah, you know, seriously, seriously. You and, know, I mean, and we're the same. We're the same way here. Craig and I yeah. have always uh, been really careful not to get into conspiracy theories. Right. But but I I would be disingenuous if I ignored all these things that are going on. So, so True. yeah, bring us into this world. world. So yeah, right right now, I mean, pe people do need to be afraid. They, If they're not prepared with everything their family needs, food, water, fire, shelter, first aid, and hygiene for at least three years, preferably five, they should be terrified, right? 
it's <clears throat> you, you look at what's going on globally. You, you realize the United States is the only country in the world that, in the last ninety to one hundred twenty days, has not declared that they're either in a state of recession or depression. And and we are so far into a depression that people have no idea because they're they're going back to work and money's being spent, but they have no idea the number of jobs lost and the amount of money that that our country has lost. And and you know we're the we're the number one economy in the world we're at the largest economy in the world china's number two and they declared a state of bankruptcy 47 days ago number three four and five are, are all in bankruptcy great britain has announced that their their economy is more state now than it's been since 1618 and the economy was so bad in 1618 that the crown ordered that any crime against the crown was punishable by death and over the course of 150 days they killed through, through execution, one out of every four military-age males in the country for some type of crime, just so that they could alleviate the starvation of the people and so they didn't have to worry about rebelling against the crown. That's how bad their economy was in 1618. And the economy today in Great Britain is worse than it was in 1618. Let that one sink in for a moment. In the last 95, 98 days, we've more than two and a half times multiplied our debt. Yet the, the the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, says that they're not loaning any country any money. The IMF has determined that there's not a single country on the face of this planet that is solvent enough to justify loaning money to for at least the next 18 to 24 months. So if we're not borrowing the money from the IMF, and if we're not borrowing the money from any of the other countries that are already bankrupt, where are we getting the money from? The simple truth of the matter is it's coming from nowhere. We're literally creating it which means now we're about to see a reckoning of that. If you dance the dance, eventually you got to pay the band, right? So we've gone from 17.2 trillion in debt to 38.4 trillion in debt in four months with nobody loaning us that money, which means we've created $21.2 trillion out of thin air, which means we're about to see a devaluing of our currency. But the problem is, is our currency is going to be devalued against other global currencies, which are already in a state of devaluation because they're already in either a state of re recession or depression. So our, our dollars going to be devalued against currencies that are already been devalued, which it, it's monumental loss of where it's a ripple effect we're about to go through. And when that happens, we're going to see hyperinflation. We'll also see hyperinflation when supply gets real low and demand gets real high, which is what we saw a couple months ago with toilet paper, hand sanitizer, face masks, PPE, blah, 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 right? And now everything's on short supply because over 80% of the raw goods that are needed or the base compounds that are needed for the rest of the global production comes out of Shenzhen or Wuhan, Wuhan China, both cities of which haven't had factories open since January 17th. They've attempted opening twice. They've gone back into lockdown both times because of the flare-up of the, the novel coronavirus COVID-19. <clears throat> so, 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 yeah, we're, we're in for a world of hurt with our economy. And that's just with the money. There, there's so many other areas. You talk about an impending global short, uh, food shortage or, or key indicators of a global food shortage. Key indicator of a global food shortage is when the United Nations announced that they're anticipating over 48 million people dying of starvation globally this year because under normal circumstances, the situations we deal with, the locust plagues across China or across Africa and 
and the droughts across India and, and parts of the, the Middle East and Eastern Europe we've been dealing with, and then the floods in Eastern Europe, it's kind of fun. We have droughts and floods at the same time, knocking out crops, right? Normally, there's other countries to bail us up, but our supply chain globally is so broken on our food supply that those people that we normally are able to help in those situations, we can't help. Over 40 million of our fellow humans are going to die of starvation this year. That tells me that that's not just an indicator of global food shortages, but we're already in global food shortage. So, yeah. So, can you you remember the uh, short conversation we had? Are you are you able to share any of that? Sure. Okay. Okay, so first of all, I own two companies that sell Meals Ready to Eat MREs, right? Because of that... I focus on a lot of the governmental websites where they put out RFQs or requests for quotes. Okay. So a couple of things the average person in the United States doesn't know. So we're going to start at the base basics. I'm going to need about six minutes for this. We could go with it. I got six yeah, minutes. Yeah, go with it. Yeah, go with it. It's important. Awesome. So uh, when you look at military rations, right? So let's, let's take and, and understand that anything that the military buys that's food related that does not go get produced in a chow hall right is what i refer to when i say the ration industry so these are uniform group rations or mres or meal cold weathers or uh, first strike rations or long range patrol rations yada 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 food served in field kitchens as opposed to chow halls these are all considered to be you know military rations right or, or things in the ration industry and the ration industry is a $12 billion a year industry in the United States historically. Okay, with $11.1 billion of that being military spending, between uh, $350, $400 million of that is uh, uh, FEMA or federal emergency management level spending. Uh, then there's another about $220 to $250 million uh, that is at the state, uh, county, and city level for preparedness, disaster preparedness. And then the rest is, you know, retail or preppers, survival, uh, military supply stores, blah, 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 right? Okay, let me stop you. Let me jump in real quick right here. Okay. I want you to reemphasize that number that you shared because I know where this is going. Okay. People are going to forget this number, and I know you're going to build off of this to make your case. Right. So the, the DOD spends $11.1 billion a year. $11.1 billion. Right, yes. on rations, right? This is This is historical numbers, okay? FEMA spends between 350 and 400 million a year. So we're <clears> the, the about the, a $12 billion industry that right. is government spending. Right. So then there's another 250 to 300,000 or 250 to 300 million that is spent at the state, county, city level. Right. So, so that doesn't leave much, you know. 150, 200, 250 million on uh, on retail or preparedness, um, things like that, right? Uh, sometimes hospitals buy rations, blah blah blah. So, uh, so yeah, typically the the United States DoD spends 11.1 billion, and and again, that's on everything. That's not just the MREs, and there's a reason I'm emphasizing this. It's not just MREs. It's also UGRs, uh, uniform group rations, right? Uh, first strike rations, freeze dried food, the whole whole gambit, right? So, the reason it's so important is because uh, DoD runs off fiscal year of October one to September thirty, and last year in October one, 
they went to the big three, Wernick, Sepak, and Ameriqual, and they pretty much doubled their contract for the year. So, and, and I'm not saying they knew about coronavirus at that time. I, I'm convinced they did not know about coronavirus at that time. So, which begs the big, dip, the big question, why did they double what they had typically done? Why are they now spending $22.1 billion instead of $11.1 billion this year? So it gets worse, right? So that was in October. Um, January, the third week of January, we, we saw a new cycle emerge. And it's, I call it the, 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 the three-stage cycle, right? So it's two weeks federal, two weeks state, two weeks uh, city, county, right? So the last week of January, we saw a number of non-FEMA, non-DOD government agencies um, and they were, uh, they were putting out RFQs or requests for quotes to buy rations, okay? Specifically MREs and freeze-dried food. Um, the second week of that cycle was when they had to be fulfilled. So they put out this RFQ on Monday. Re quotes have to be received before 9 p.m. Eastern time on Friday, typically. Uh, they award the contract Monday morning. The product has to ship out that Friday of week two, okay? Which this is not unusual, except it was the type of government agencies that were putting out the RFQs the first week of, of uh, January. Uh, Department of Health and Human Services, uh, Department of Housing and Urban Development, um, you know, and, and on and on and on. Just government agencies that historically do not buy MREs were putting out RFQs for a vast number of MREs. We're talking a lot, and I'll come back around to that now that in a second but <clears throat> then week three right so you got the first week of jan or the third the last week of january is the first week of, of the cycle second or the first week of february is the second week of the cycle that's when the federal level projects uh, contracts get shipped the second week of february we saw state agencies issuing rfqs requests for quotes for mres and the interesting thing is at that point in time they dropped all dla or defense logistics agency guidelines meaning you could charge more than eight percent profit you didn't have to list everywhere that everything came from all these restrictions that keep people from trying to supply the u.s government with things were were released when the state level be, issued their rfqs the second week of february which is now week three of the cycle right the third week of February, we saw those contracts being fulfilled and, and the product being shipped. And then the fourth week of February, which is the fifth week of our cycle, right? We saw city and counties issuing RFQs with the first week of March being the delivery on those. So it's a six-week cycle in three stages. The first stage is, you know, uh, the federal government sending out the RFQs on the first week and then getting them shipped on the second week. Second phase of the, the cycle is state and uh, state agencies issuing RFQs and then the week after that getting the product shipped and then third phase is the city and county. So the interesting thing about that is is during the that time frame that six week time frame from the last week of of uh, January to the first week of March non-DOD non-emergency management government agencies spent a total of 56.7 billion dollars specifically on MREs and freeze-dried food. Wow. Yeah. So let that sink in for a minute. Non-billion right? non with a B. Non-DOD, non-emergency management agency, government agencies spent 
five times what DOD historically spends in a year. Think about that. So it's like two hundred and fifty million up to fifty-six billion. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, two hundred and fifty to three hundred million historically a year, yeah, to fifty-six point seven billion. And this was all before coronavirus really became a, a this is major th thing. Yeah, this is as we're moving into the lockdown. So I've always I'm not. I'm not saying they're connected. I'm just. Oh no, it's connected. Out the fact. No, it, it's it's connected. So, <laughs> typically, what we've seen historically, whenever something major is on the horizon, is you see the federal level prepare, and then the next thing you know, the state levels are preparing, and then the next thing you know, the county and cities are getting prepared, and then the next thing you know, the civilian population is waking up that there's an issue. So it's it's pretty much a you know, stuff rolls downhill type thing. You know. The top gets prepared first and buys up everything they need, and then the states can fight over what's left. And then if there's anything left, the cities and counties can fight over that. And then if there's anything at all left, the scraps at the bottom, well, we the people get it. So, yeah, there, it's, it's definitely connected. Because the interesting thing about it was is that the, the week that everything shipped to, if you think back historically, the week that everything shipped to the city and county level was the same week that on that Friday, President Trump declared a national state of emergency, national health crisis. He uh, invoked the Federal Emergency Powers Act, which no president has ever evoked in the history of the United States. Think about that one. Right? It's the first time in the history of the United States that that's ever been enacted. The Federal Emergency Powers Act effectively suspends the Constitution. It gives the President of the United States control of all industry, all communications, everything. And then he passed that authority on to the governors. All in one day. Actually, all in about three hours. And that's why we started seeing all these crazy laws being invoked by the, the far left uh, governors that are, that are out there. So the interesting thing about that is, though, is and, and the reason I keep pointing that out is historically, DOD spends $11.1 .1 billion a year, right? So then in March, they doubled again. So they went from $11 billion historically to $22 billion for, for fiscal year 2020. Then in March, they doubled that again and went, actually, there's a little more than doubles. $46.2 billion is what DOD is now contracted to spend during uh, fiscal year 2020. Then it gets really interesting. So keep in mind, $11.1 billion a year DOD, $350 to $400 million a year for FEMA. From the last week of January through the first week of March, we saw non-FEMA, non-DOD government agencies at the city, county, state, and federal level spend $56.7 billion, right? <clears throat> then we saw the cycle start all over again while everybody was rejoicing about the fact that they were going back to work, right? While everybody was rejoicing that, hey, bars are open and I can go get my hair cut and I can go get my hair done and... You know, I can go buy that new pair of shoes and blah, 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 and go eat a steak at a restaurant again. And everybody's elated over us coming out of lockdown. What nobody realizes is that seven weeks ago, we saw that cycle begin again. And it completed last Friday. And over the previous six weeks prior to uh, Friday night at 9 p.m., this previous Friday night at 9 p.m., we saw the same six-week cycle, the first two weeks federal, the second two weeks state, the third two-week phase was uh, city and county, during which point in time, <clears throat> non-DOD, non-FEMA government agencies in this country from the city, county, state, and federal level have spent a combined total of 100, that's 100 
74.6 billion with the B dollars. Long story short, ending the six week cycle that ended this previous Friday night, non-DOD, non-government agencies spent more money or committed to spend more money on long shelf life rations, whether it's MREs or freeze dried food or number 10 cans or anything that had at least a three year shelf life. Okay. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. It's all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG 13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. They spent more in that six-week period than DOD did from 2003 through 2019. And I would remind your listeners, during that time, we were fighting not just one, but two wars. Wow. So let me just get real practical with you here. We have been talking about MREs, you and I, just personally. And it uh, seems like a lot of food to me. And honestly, the delivery times seem incredibly crazy for companies even to be able to fulfill that demand right it ha- has this affected uh your just bring it home your ability for your mres and, and oh, everything you're involved in has this affected you in any way tremendously so <clears throat> if if you take the amount of so i own two companies right mre nation and minotaur trading company and if you take the amount of sales that we had in october november and december of last year so the last quarter of last year both companies combined that dollar amount. We processed each company every week during the month of March. We processed more than that amount. And I, I'm not at liberty to disclose what that amount is, but let's just say that every week in the month of March, each of my companies did more money in sales than both companies combined the last quarter of last year. That's a lot. And we saw it across the board with everybody. Everybody in our industry got wiped out in March, right? Come around April, man, there was just nothing. There, there was nothing left. I, I was spending 15, 20 hours a week, you know, searching anywhere, you know, phone calls, internet, you name it, just trying to find any type of product that I could get in from my customers, right? Then we, we roll around into May and, and, and we, we barreled through it, right? I mean, I'm my my margins got down to under 5% in the month of uh, April and May because I refused to raise my prices. I, I just simply refused to. And I was paying 95 to 96% of what I sell stuff for is what I was paying for during those times because you, you couldn't get anything. And then all of a sudden, May rolls around end of May and, and we everybody's got product again, right? And it's it's there, but it's not, it's not like it was before. You know, the... the 
MRE entrees that were produced in, in May and June have a third of the meat in them that they, that they historically had because there's so many meat shortages in our country right now. There's meat shortages worldwide. I mean, we're, we're importing more cattle from, from Africa than what we're actually slaughtering is, is grown, home-raised cattle here in the United States. Our cattle industry is devastated. Our beef industry is devastated. But anyhow, the the point is 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 we all started getting stock flowing again and everything, and now it's all gone again. It, it'll be it'll be two to three years if if our society stands and returns to to some form of pre-January normals. It'll be two to three years before my company ever sees the inventory levels, either one of them, that we were seeing in January of this year. It's it's devastating. the The entire supply chain is devastated. Basically, if you don't evolve and and change and start producing this stuff in house, if you're relying on outside companies for product, it's not going to happen. So we that's one of the big shifts we did. We we bought a or, or leased a new facility. We moved uh, from Louisville to Lexington area. Um, downsized in the amount of space, but we, we came to this building for a number of reasons. One, that it was previously approved uh, for what we're wanting to do with USDA and FDA and, and health department uh, approvals. Uh, and two, it already had three-phase 480 electric, which is what's needed for all of the heavy equipment that we need to bring in to package our own snacks and drink mixes and make our own desserts and all that kind of good stuff. So we chose, we had a decision to make in, in uh, April, May, you know, close the doors and be done, right? And take the money and go home, you know, or reinvest all that, the sales from February and March and, and April into the company and, and see it grow so that we'll be here if the country's here in a year for us to be here in a year to service our customers. And that's a big if, by the way. So, yeah. Wow. So, not to make matters worse, Gabe. <laughs> Gabe <you better. laughs> I, I, <laughs> so that's Bob. You, I don't even know how to say it. Like I can't say that's fantastic, but it's that's terrible. It's terrible. And um, but let's let's just bring let's just bring Gabe in. And uh, Gabe, why don't you give us a couple of updates on what you're seeing internationally and what's going on in China that people might not even be aware of? I, I've got, I've got uh, the most recent issue of uh, Epoch Times and on the bottom of the front page it says China natural disasters rage across China affecting tens of millions what's that all about yeah so that's something that the Epoch Times has been very careful to uh, keep uh, on top of uh, the Epoch Times is usually ahead of everybody else because they actually care <laughs> they, they care they about honest, honest journalism yeah so they are uh, well-informed. So they've been actually following the uh, the floods that are going on in China since uh, oh, more than a month now. It's been, I don't know, I think we've passed more than 40 days of rain in parts of China and they are undergoing just crazy flooding. 40 crazy. days of rain? Yeah, seriously, continuously, nonstop. We're not just talking, you know, roads washed away. We're not talking about... Um, you know, embankments that are up, you know, oh no, look how high the water is going. No, we're talking that the water level went up, you know, 
20, 30, 40, 50 feet, you know, it's going up to the fourth floor of apartment buildings. Uh, in case you're interested, the city of Wuhan is currently uh, largely underwater. You can watch videos of uh, meat markets and people trying to go on with their lives and they're standing knee deep in water going up to tables where they're getting, you know, buying their daily food or whatever they need. Uh, we're talking uh, whole countrysides that look like massive lakes, you know, more than lakes. It, I mean, you, it's like, where's the land? Well, there's dots of land and dots of land. Like, it's, it's unbelievable. And it's all their farmland. So if you want to talk about food shortage, we're talking about the rice and uh, rice growing regions of China. So their food is being uh, dramatically affected. And uh, that could be one of the reasons for um, the United States being in a hurry to buy food, you know, because we have no idea uh, on a, uh, a bulk level what Chinese uh brokers are doing at this point. Anybody in China who is interested in getting food is probably buying it on a huge scale right now. Um, for instance, in January, when the rest of the world wasn't being told that there was a pandemic in China, China was busy buying up all the personal uh, health protection equipment they possibly could. They put, sent out uh, they sent out directives to all of their Chinese embassies and uh, different affiliated government uh, offices across the world. And uh, while everybody is not knowing that they're supposed to be stocking up on personal health hygiene, things like masks and those those kinds of things, China's receiving these massive shipments from around the world going into China to uh, to take care of their own needs, which not that it's bad that they're taking care of the needs, but it's one thing to be taking care of your needs. It's another thing to be lying to the whole world and saying, you don't have to worry while you're privately buying <laughs> everything that everyone else is going to need shortly. Mm -hmm. You know, so again, it's not necessarily wrong to take care of your needs, but it's another thing to be lying to the whole world while you're doing it. So, uh, so they are probably doing the same with their food. Uh, they've got major problems. China's in major problems. Uh, corruption has been a continuous problem with the Communist Party. Uh, so their food that they do have is either uh, moldy or they've added sand into their granaries to make it heavier so that it seems like they have more. Uh, about five or six years ago, the Chinese uh, food uh, industry, one particular uh, factory or holding place, whatever you want to call it, they got called on this. And so uh, the Chinese higher government officials were sent in to investigate the problem and miraculously the whole place burned down. We're talking about these piles of grain on fire like you can't even fathom how much food that was. And, you know, six years ago, when there wasn't other global food shortages, these guys were willing to burn it all down so that their heads didn't roll uh, when they found out what they'd been doing with their food. They had been privately selling it on the side and not telling anybody. Like I said, adding sand, adding weight to it so they sell off a 50-pound bag of rice. Well, you know, 15 pounds of that is dust and debris mixed in. You know, so there's been corruption already, which has made their current food shortage a bigger deal because they were already dealing with corruption that that changes the numbers. You know, they're always changing their numbers. So China says we've got X amount of food. 
but those numbers are skewed just like all their numbers they say that currently you know some hundred maybe 115 people have died due to their floods there's no way it, there's no way it's been 115 people it's gotta be way more than that whole cities and villages washing away major bridges washing away cities that are buried in water and uh, you know and then they say you know there's a locust plague in china right now there and the uh, official governments uh, a few days ago they said that 16 acres have been affected well <laughs> i'm sorry but who really believes that 16 acres you know i i grew up on 30 acres and the idea that half of that had been affected by this locust plague only half you know like it's I'm not sure that's a locust plague. You know, they, they, they might have just been talking about the previous hour, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like 60, 16 acres were engulfed this, you know, the last 15 minutes, maybe. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So it's literally claiming that half of one hillside is being affected by locusts right now. That's the can, official. Yeah, what do you got, Bob? Well, I was just going to say, can I interject something there real quick? Sure. So back in, uh, back in February... Uh, right before China started really truly disclosing what was going on um, with the the novel coronavirus, they they made a statement. You know, it, it, there was a week there where they put 782 million of their citizens into lockdown quarantine. It's the largest quarantine in the history of the world. Of course, it's only been beaten six times since then, mostly by China. Um, but at the time, it was a world record. But on the day that they did that, they announced that China was now in a warlike state. The previous day, the uh, the uh, ministers in China, uh, parliament, Chinese parliament, pretty much voted that that Jin is the the leader for life. Right. So he he will never face election again. He's he's the head of China until he dies. Right. The very next day, the announcements made that uh, that China's in this warlike state. What most people don't realize, there's there's like twelve different types of rice, right? Eleven or twelve different types of rice. China only made China only grows four of them. The United States only grows two of them. Okay, uh, but China's always been the largest importer of rice in in the world, and and mainly because they feed their citizens literally every type of rice there is. It's it's a staple. It's the staple there, right? <clears throat> So, um, long story short, you know, when they when they declared this warlike state, they cut their exports of products like rice and soy, their their staple food products, by sixty seven percent, and they increased their imports by over seventy one percent. But when it comes to things like like alternative proteins like soy, they tripled the amount that they typically import of of soy. So, yes. Yeah, so it's just crazy. Um, what the Chinese uh, government has been doing. And just to get people caught up with the global situation and with China in general, um, there is a, uh, a Chinese billionaire because he basically, you know, according to the Chinese, betrayed them. He had to go into, uh, you know, exile. So he's in New York City, or he was in New York City until a few months ago. And uh, so his most easy to pronounce uh, name is Miles Kwok. That would be his most English name. Anyway, he's a Chinese exiled billionaire and he's been calling out the CCP on the things that they've been doing. And, uh, you know, a year ago, his estimate was that the Communist Party of China only had maybe two years before it was going to implode itself. 
And uh, that is prior to coronavirus. That's prior to these floods. You know, these are floods that are threatening the Three Gorges Dam. It might give out. Um, it may or may not. Isn't that one of the largest dams in the world? It is the largest. So it may or may not give out, but it's threatening it. That's the size flood we're talking here. So the, uh, so the Communist Party is in, you know, a big... It's close to toppling. You know, uh, last year in one of the major Chinese uh, boom cities, 200 factories closed down. That was last year. So that the people who worked in their factories are now going home to their old, you know, villages that they came from uh, out of work. You know, and unlike the United States and Canada and other places where we actually have a care net for people who are unemployed, you know, it may not be a perfect care net, but we have a care net because, you know, by and large, the government has, you know, maybe not a, a perfect care for its citizens, but we've got a much better level of care than a lot of countries in the world. And China doesn't have that care. You know, they're a communist country, but it means we are redispersing the wealth to ourselves. <laughs> and that's really why China's where it is. Uh, China has never created a consumer base in their own people because their CEOs make all the money. And instead of paying their employees a reasonable living wage, which would create a buying uh, consumer base within China, instead they never paid them. Instead, uh, now that they know that the Communist Party is probably going to go down, they are getting their money out of China as fast as they can. They're buying up mansions, they're buying up yachts, they're buying up anything that has value outside of China to try to save their money. For instance, they'll go to uh, Paris and uh, they'll buy uh, two or three very expensive watches. And uh, then they go back to that same watchmaker the next day and return them. And then the watchmaker gives them their money back, only now giving it back in euros instead of the Chinese currency that oh, they bought it right. with. So these communist officials are getting their money out of the country as fast as they can. So that'll give you an idea of the state of the Chinese Communist Party's solvency, which is basically non-existent. And now we have coronavirus, and now we have their flooding. So the Chinese Communist Party is in a very desperate state. And I think that's why they become more and more aggressive worldwide. If they can say our, our war is with India, We've got to fight against India. Our war is with Taiwan. We've got to fight against Taiwan. It gives the people of China a unified lookout at the world. Like, that's our real enemy, not the CCP. And that's one of the reasons that they've got become more and more hostile to the nations around them. Not that they haven't always had a certain amount of hostility. Uh, their goal is to become a world power. Uh, and not a nice one. <laughs> You know, so they've always had that underlying war against the United States, an underlying war against the world, but now they've stepped it up really big to try to get the distraction off the corruption of the CCP and onto oh. other nations as the problem. So that's a big uh, part. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the outlook of China right now. That's where they are. It's very serious what's going on. I wish, I wish it wasn't so hard for the people of China. You know, there is so many good people in China, and that's probably what distresses me the most about these floods going on. You know, in my mind, the CCP has got to go down, and the faster it goes down, the better. I mean, this isn't even talking about Hong Kong. Hong Kong is, you know, 
Hong Kong is just an expose on what happens inside China. You know, as soon as the Communist Party is in charge, these are all the rights that you lose immediately. So Hong Kong is just an expose of what's already been happening in China for 80 years. So, which is a which is a lesson to people who want to uh, tear down our system, yeah, and uh, replace it with some sort of a Marxist utopian, yeah, dystopian communist society here. Yeah, yeah, seriously. So, um, so Hong Kong is just uh, is just a reality check for anybody who doesn't know what's going on in China. And uh, so it, it's just one of those things. I feel bad for the Chinese people. And I don't know. I'm a person who prays. I'm a Christian. And I pray for the people of China because they are facing the food shortages already. The food shortages that we're concerned about having, they're already dealing with. And uh, I've been uh, praying for the Chinese population because they're in a desperate state right now. I mean, tens of millions of people displaced by these floods, tens of millions of people displaced from ground where they were working. <laughs> you know, that's their food supply. And billions and billions and billions of dollars have already been lost in crops. So I want the Chinese Communist Party to go down, but I wish there was a way to protect the people at the same time. So I've been praying for them. I, uh, I care about them a lot. And uh, so if you a person to pray... Pray for the people of China. Uh, pray that the Communist Party goes down. The faster it goes down, the chance for a rebuild happens. Yep. So you guys mentioned something. Uh, that was fantastic, Cape. Thank you for that. Uh, you guys had mentioned uh, earlier, just briefly, and if we can just maybe spend three minutes on it, because we are almost at an hour already. Isn't that crazy? And uh, I did want to go through the seven tiers of food prep, yeah, although it. it may be... It may be very quick and we'll get maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes. Right. And uh, we can get back to this maybe in a future podcast. But before we do that, can you guys spend uh, Bob, you had mentioned it, Gabe, you had mentioned it also briefly. Uh, additional pandemics, viruses that are that are happening right now. Oh, yeah. Bob, what do you have to share on that? Uh, well, there's a, there's a new pandemic that is not a coronavirus. It is not a zoological virus. Uh, it's spreading across uh, Kazakhstan. It's, uh, I just pulled up the numbers when we were talking. I was wrong on my early numbers. It's actually over 1,700 people have died in the last two weeks in Kazakhstan. It is a pneumonia-like virus, but it is not a novel coronavirus, nor is it a zoological virus, which COVID-19, the reason it's so bad is because it's it's a, a novel coronavirus. It's also a zoological virus. So that's, that's one of the reasons why it's so bad for us. But <clears throat> so it's a completely different pandemic. Um, and of course, you know, we, we deal with the, with the Black Plague in, in everywhere globally every year. You know, there's a dozen to, to two dozen cases reported in the United States every year, right? It's, it's just something that's become a way of our life. We have a, a cure for it. There's a treatment for it, and, and you know, 95% of the people that get to the hospital in time end up surviving it. But uh, right now in Mongolia, we had our first death from it uh, a week ago Thursday, and then the last week, uh, the death toll in, in parts of Mongolia from the Black Plague is now up over 400. It's the largest outbreak, outbreak of the Black Plague that we've seen since 1701. Yeah. So... So there's now three pandemics spreading. Uh, fortunately, two of them are fairly contained, one in Kazakhstan, the other one in Mongolia. But yeah, this uh, and, and technically the Black Plague isn't really a virus anyway. 
However, here at home, they have discovered a new strain. Uh, so the, the COVID-19 has uh, mutated again. We're now dealing with a total of three strains. They discovered the third strain in South Texas. A uh, professor from Baylor University discovered it. And interestingly enough, over 68% of those hospitalized from that strain of COVID-19 are under the age of 40. Um, and over 50% of the deaths from that strain of COVID-19 are under the age of 26. So, yeah, this virus that only killed old people, yeah, it's mutated. And now there's a strain that's targeting younger people. So wear your mask, people. It's no longer a political issue. It's just a common sense issue. Wear your mask and don't spread it. If 90% of our country wore a mask, we could contain this virus. But, you know, we don't like to do what's best for everybody. We like to do what we want to do. So, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, we're supposed to be talking about something else, right? No, we're we're good. I mean, a lot of, I just want to take everybody back to the critical rule of threes. We're well beyond three here. <laughs> if you know how to count it, even if you're not good at math, math, we're way beyond three. And uh, last thing before we get into this uh, seven tiers of food prep, because I think people still have time, although possibly limited. Gabe, you had mentioned a swine flu. Yeah, there's a new Tell swine flu that. in China. In China. Again. That's okay. affecting their uh, pigs. And uh, if, you know, if they didn't already have a pork shortage, which they do, now they're dealing with this new uh, swine flu outbreak. Uh, the problem with the Chinese is that they've got a history of hiding those things. <laughs> mm. You know, one of the reasons why the Chinese got the current head of the WHO in place uh, was because the previous head of the WHO criticized them for the way they dealt with uh, swine flu and SARS uh, in previous years. So... Now they don't have that problem. They've solved that problem by voting in their good friend from Ethiopia. <laughs> anyway, uh, hey, but problem it, solved. It can, yeah, exactly. So, but it still is their reality that they may actually start seeing uh, this uh, new swine flu spread through their pigs. And if that starts happening, then they're going to have to start killing off lots of their pigs. Um, there's talk that it might be able to, you know, transmit to people, you know, uh, but. That's never happened in China before, so you know I'm not too worried about that. <laughs> wow. wow. <laughs> but it is very serious, all joking aside. Hey, you know, since you keep talking about, you know, three three strange things go wrong, do something different. Can I just throw out some facts in, in like 30 seconds, throw out some facts of what we're dealing with globally? Absolutely. Okay, so when we say, you know, it's the worst flood on record or it's the worst storm on record or it's the worst earthquake on record, what we're referring to is 1828. That's when we started tracking these things globally, right? <clears throat> so anytime a government says, you know, oh, hey, this is the worst drought we've seen on record, right? That's the worst drought we've had since 1828, okay? Right now we're seeing historic flooding, the worst on record in 11 countries. We're seeing historic drought, the worst on record in 14 countries. We're seeing historic earthquakes, the worst on record in 12 countries. And interestingly enough, the earthquakes are happening in areas where historically they do not have earthquakes. Okay. <clears throat> we have uh, 17 countries dealing with historic locust swarms. We have 19 countries. Uh, actually, there's 19 active volcanoes globally right now in 17 countries. We have 31 countries currently in some state of war. 
We have eight countries currently facing a complete and total society collapse. Six of those eight are currently in the early stages of society collapse. We have 29 economies globally that are set to crumble within the next five to seven business days. That's our global update. <clears throat> so when you talk about the anomalies, I mean, we are facing things right now, war, pestilence, plague, right? I mean, my God, at this point in time, if a third of the ocean turned red, 90% of the population of this world would be hitting the nearest Christian church they could. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. It well, the is, thing is, there's, it is there's insane been a lot what of, we're going through. There's been a lot of things that have been so so interesting and odd too you know like for britain it was kind of the perfect storm because britain was uh was going through brexit which personally i support um you know but i have business friends in england who have been put on hold uh they couldn't go forward with their businesses because the government the large banks weren't giving out loans to uh people and to businesses in england because they didn't know what the fallout of brexit was going to be so they were waiting till brexit was over then they'd start giving out loans and businesses could go back to work uh, and so just as brexit was getting completed then you know the pandemic hit england and shut it down so at its most critical time where it needed to sink or swim it got sunk so england's in a very difficult place right now um uh, you know again you hope they pull through but this is a kind of perfect storm anomaly, weird stuff happening one on top of another. Like it couldn't have happened at a worse time. It's very interesting. Thank you both for those, those updates and your insight in, into all of this. Wow. We are over an hour, but we're going to do this. Bob and Gabe, let's talk about the seven tiers of food prep and and I, here's, here's what I'm going to say to all you guys that are watching or listening. You still have some time. I was just at the store the other day. I was at a, a one of these surplus food stores. There's, there's still a lot of these items available. I have some friends that just went to Sam's Club. There's still bulk food available. So it's not too late. If you're concerned about this, if you're looking at things like we're encouraging you to look at them. I encourage you to do your own research, check some of these things out on your own, For sure. but take this all serious. Uh, but there is still some time, Bob, there's still some time. So let's just go through these seven tiers of survival prepper food prep. And Bob, you're saying three to five years, man, I, I minimum. So that's a lot of food, everybody. I know that's going to sound overwhelming to a lot of you because a lot of us got what we could when this whole coronavirus panic buying thing started. And I'm going to tell you, I've talked to a lot of friends that aren't typically inclined to preparing beforehand, and they've mostly eaten all of that stuff now because things had seemed to ease off. Uh, but what we're telling you guys is you may have some time here to go out, go out and get the items that you need. And these seven tiers, I'm just going to start with the easy. Don't be overwhelmed with this. Do what you can to continue to prepare your family for what might be ahead. And so our seven tiers are this. First, you have your first tier. That's what's in your kitchen right now. Most people have maybe, I don't know, a couple of days to a couple of weeks worth of food in their kitchen. That's I'm going to call that your everyday food or your everyday carry food. Tier number two is freeze 
uh, freezer food. <laughs> You're laughing at me. Why are you laughing at me, Bob? <laughs> Every, everyday carry food. I love it. I'm going to use that. <laughs> I am. Hey, I got some everyday carry food in my pocket. Anybody hungry? <laughs> I am. I'm going to use that. That's pretty good. So we've got your kitchen or your everyday food. Uh, second, a lot of you all have freezer food in your freezer. That's usually good for about a year. But the thing you really need to consider with your freezer food is what happens if the electric goes out. Imagine that. Uh, where I live happens all the time. Uh, multiple tiers of electric is, is a really smart idea, but you at least need to be able to preserve that food till you can get it into a, a different state other than freezer food. So I, I've got a couple of, of items here to just show you. One, uh, this, is, this is the new jackery 1000 uh solar generator uh, i'm not going to pull out the manual but it can it can uh, power a, a reasonable sized freezer and refrigerator for for several hours and it is rechargeable in about eight hours in full sun with two of their 100 uh, watt solar panels that can be chained together to power this there's some smaller ones also i'll do a full video on that if the world doesn't end before then <laughs> and show you guys these amazing this amazing technology yeah just for a little pitch for jackery uh like i said i was on the road all of those you know winter spring whatever you want to call it anyway uh, i have a little 250 jackery and i use that every day and yep. you know i would use it through the night and i charge it with the solar panel during the day and it's real quality stuff it's awesome yep so i've got some examples here so here you go here's your everyday food this is just a Mac macaroni and cheese with gluten-free what gluten-free macaroni <laughs> oh you're killing me <laughs> and cauliflower uh you've got your perishable items your breads and things that aren't going to keep that long outside of a freezer uh that's going to be your tier one your freezer food and uh i had we just talked about that but i didn't bring any freezer food out here because it would have defrosted but i did have a uh, freezer pack uh, ice pack here just to signify that we've got that covered tier number three is your bulk food so uh, i just went to uh one of the buckets that my wife had and i pulled out this here goya go goya <laughs> <laughs> hashtag maga <laughs> uh, and it's really funny because gabe and i were joking around before i said hey gabe guess Guess what? The, I just realized the one bag that I pulled off of the top of the bucket when I went in was a Goya bag. If you don't know what that means, look it up. <laughs> Go Goya. So this is this uh, this bulk food is going to be your rice, your beans, your sugar, your salt, your flour, uh, the items that are comfort, convenience foods. Because we talked about this before, Bob. You want to have some things that get you know are just special, some candy, some some things like that. But these are going to be these are pretty easy. This bulk food, I'm just saying, this is going to be your cheapest means. It's pretty available still right now. I know during the panic buying, Bob, I couldn't find bulk food anywhere. I couldn't find a 25-pound bag of sugar. So we're ahead of the curve on this right now, people. Uh, take that for what it's worth. Yeah, uh, the curve is flattening, though, quickly. The curve's flattening very quickly. And... And your bulk food, if it's packaged right, it could last one to three years, maybe even a little bit more. I'm going to tell you how to do that, and maybe I'll show you in a future video. But it's got to be cool. you got to 
eliminate the air. It's got to be dry and it's got to be in low light. The way you do this is with those five gallon uh, buckets that you can buy around. You need to get the ones that have tight lids with the gaskets on them. Then you need to get uh, desiccant packs. I, I pack my bulk food in a liner also, which I close up and put the desiccant pack in there. You want to keep that in, in an area that's under 70 degrees, 55 degrees is ideal, and low light. Dry, no light, cool, and uh, eliminate the air, and it's going to last the longest. Okay, that's that's our tier number three bulk food. Bob, you want, you have anything to throw in there so far? Uh, uh, bouillon cubes. Lots and lots of bouillon cubes. Bouillon. Going on my list. Yeah. That's what so, I don't and, have. And Why? Why? Yeah, and I'm, I'm not talking about cans of beef broth or beef bouillon. I'm talking about the little cubes. One, they're lightweight. Typically, a, a single bouillon cube will make 8 to 10 ounces worth of soup. In a bug out situation, they're phenomenal because you, you drop one into eight ounces of water and you drink it while you're walking, right? It gives your body instant protein. Um, but that, if you take, let's say you take a cup of rice, you know, and, and you mix it in with the eight ounces of, of uh, water and, and a beef bouillon cube, right? It, it adds flavor to that rice, changes things up, and it's it's lightweight. It's, it's almost non-existent. It's so small and tiny, you know? So, yeah, I... Um, I don't just buy the little bottles you get at, at like Kroger or something for four or five dollars of you know twenty thirty bouillon cubes. I buy the big containers of bouillon cubes. Get them at like a grocery store supply house or a restaurant supply house, and then I'll take and I'll put you know six or eight of them into a mylar bag, drop an O two in, seal it shut with a hair straightener, and be done. Or you can buy them on our website. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, I'm not kidding, but I did. I, I'm joking about plugging the website. So yeah, bouillon cubes are huge, <clears throat> a, a great thing to have, and it's always good to have, you know, some type of, of you know powdered cheese or powdered butter, you know, something that's going to have a longer shelf life that you could use to add to that rice or the beans or the, you know, the oats, all the different things that you have because you're gonna you're gonna get tired of eating bland food after a while. So seasonings are are huge, huge are morale really booster, and and they're lightweight and don't can... take a lot of space. Yeah. At the very least, you can still get bulk bags of salt, and you can get uh, bulk bulk peppercorns. It's, that's a good start. So in this bulk food category, our, cat, our tier number three, I'm also going to throw in DIY dehydrating. And uh, we have the Excalibur dehydrator, so you can, you can reduce uh, the, the volume and the weight and of, uh, of fresh uh, vegetables, um, meats, uh, fruits, all of that, you can uh, reduce down in size and weight and you can preserve it. And if it's, if we follow these same rules as far as storage that I talked about with the other bulk foods, uh, your dehydrated foods can last a year or two. And that's something you can do your own on your own, as long as you have some electric. Also, I, I'd be, uh, I wouldn't be doing people right if I didn't say uh, DIY canning and also pressure canning. Pressure canning allows you to uh, can meats, and you're going to need protein. But uh, DIY canning, we've got some articles. My wife uh, does all the food stuff on ultimatesurvivaltips.com. Uh, she takes you through dehydrating, takes you through canning, a lot of bulk food stuff, how to buy, how to buy and uh, package those sorts of things at ultimatesurvivaltips.com. So uh, those are two DIY things. And with the harvest coming up soon, I hope you all have a garden. If you don't, 
uh, you might want to consider uh, doing some of your own preps as far as these bulk foods. Next, we have Bob and Gabe production canned foods. Now, this is one of your easies, right? Uh, I just have a can of vegetarian baked beans here. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what the date is on this thing, but I would eat it. <laughs> it, is well, it is well past the expiration date. And uh, what, one reason I know it's probably still okay is that, uh, one, it's stored properly in a uh, controlled environment. And two, when your canned goods start to go bad, you're going to start seeing that the can itself will expand because biology starts happening in there. So you're going to, instead of, instead of a flat or a slightly indented, dented, a convex top and bottom, you're going to see your top and bottom start to balloon out a little bit. And that's an easy, that's an easy, easy. Now, I'm just going to tell you because of the way those, a lot of canned foods are processed, you're going to have a lower vitamin content uh, in those foods, but it is food, it's calories, it's protein, it's all that stuff, uh, trace minerals, and it's cans. And this is your easy. Everybody can go out and buy a couple of cans of beans, right? Bob, anything else on the on uh, tier number four, which is our production canned. And generally those will have a shelf life of five years plus. Right, so uh, along those same lines, people can actually make their own uh, MRE style retort pouch entrees, right? And you can do it with vegetables as well as meats. Um, and it's typically a lot cheaper because you, you can buy a thousand 16 ounce retort pouches for like, a, I'm sorry, they come 500 to a box at that size for like $180. You, you can't buy 516-ounce jars for that that kind of money, right? Uh, tell people what a retort pouch is. Uh, retort pouch is what MRE entrees come in. It's, it's, it's the exact same process as canning, except it takes up less space. It's more versatile, and you don't have to worry about rust or dents. So they have a little bit of a longer shelf life. Um, and there's websites out there like uh, Vacuum Sealers Unlimited and, and um, Flare Packaging, a couple on the ones that sell those those re gold retort pouches. And if, if you if you if you know how to can meat or can butter or can vegetables or jams, then you know how to use a retort cooker. It's it's the exact same it's the same equipment, just a different pouch. So it'd be worth taking ten minutes and watching YouTube videos on how to retort cook and retort can. That's really good, Bob. And you just reminded me of something that wasn't in my uh, DIY list here under bulk food. And that's vacuum sealing. Uh, Game Saver is a name brand, but I just checked on Amazon and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different uh, vacuum sealers. And those are going, depending on how you process your food, uh, that's going to keep uh, your, especially your dehydrated food, that's going to keep it a lot longer if it's uh, packaged. Yep. Well, yep. <clears throat> Okay, number, tier number four. Oh, we got it. Production canned, which is tier number four, five plus years. Then we're up to MREs, Bob. Tell us. And look at this. I've got some MRE Nation. We'll pitch you, Bob. <laughs> You've given a lot here today. We've well, got in, some in, MRE, MRE Nation MREs. Yeah, MRE Nation MRE Nation's running a little bit low on product right now. There's, there's, so you can go to that website, by all means. Please go to that website and, and have a field day, right? Uh, but Minotaur Trading Company has a lot more inventory Minotaur. right now. Okay, spell that for everybody. Uh, M-I-N-O-T-A-U-R tradingcompany.com. You can also okay. get to it by MinotaurMRE.com. Okay. And you still have, you do still have MREs, right? Uh, this week, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, uh, I'm working on that order, Bob. Good, because we, we've got quite a bit of inventory <laughs> right now, but I did find out yesterday 
um, an order I had placed that was supposed to ship next week. I've been told it has been uh, put on hold, and they can't tell me when it's going to ship. Oh, oh so okay. we're, yeah, we're, well, I mean, brother, the, the government agency spent one hundred seventy-four point six billion dollars in the last six weeks on MREs. There's not going to be a yeah. lot for me to be able to get my hands on. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so so for people that don't know what MREs are, give us the. Uh, Give so, us the one-minute version. So MRE is meal ready to eat. It's um, literally, you, you don't even have to heat it up. They come with flameless ration heaters. So if you want a hot meal, you, everything you need is right there in the bag. But typically, it's going to be your entree, a, a snack item. You know, sometimes you get a side item, you get a dessert item. The average military MRE is going to be anywhere from 1,050 to 1,150 calories. The average civilian MRE is going to be 900 to 1,000 calories. Uh, the average uh, MRE Nation MRE is 1,300 to 1,500 calories, and the average Minotaur MRE is anywhere from uh, uh, 1,400 calories up to 2,000 calories each. In, in all of ours, we give snacks. You, you, get, you get bread items, spreads, drink mixes, coffee, all that kind of good stuff. So the you, thing about an MRE are... is it's, it's going to last you five to seven years. It's lightweight. Typically, they weigh about a pound to a pound and a half. Uh, and it's everything you need for a full meal, including utensils and the way to heat it. Yep. And uh, I'm just going to say Bob's MREs are the best tasting. <laughs> I, uh, having a lot of experience with MREs, I've never looked forward to them, honestly. Except one time when I was doing a 40-day training and, and we uh, did our knife-only survival and we had two hours until we went off for four more days and did uh, scout survival training. And they gave us an MRE. <laughs> That was the only time I had been excited about MREs until I found you, Bob. And uh, Bob, I'm just going to say Bob is like a food engineer. He's all about like, um, you know, if if you're going to have food in storage, you want to have food that you're going to eat. And this is another thing. Some of you guys may be thinking this is complicated. I don't have a whole lot of money. Um, this is This is bad. I just want to tell you, one, don't panic. Do what you can. But two, if you're going to invest in food, you're investing in food. You're not buying a new iPhone, a new computer, or a new car. You're buying something that's going to have continuing value that you can dip into, and you're going to eat it anyway. So in a sense, if, this, in a sense, if, if all of these indicators are wrong, and you just end up with a year's worth of food or two years' worth of food, you're just going to eat this over time, and you're just buying, you're paying forward for your family's uh, food needs. Uh, Bob, I want to thank you for being with us. We just found out that Bob's got to got to leave us. He had a pre previous engagement that he has to keep, and we got a late start because we had some technical difficulties. Bob, thank you so much again. Please come back again, and can you tell everybody how they can uh, connect with you, connect with your knowledge, connect with your company, and pick up some MREs because you still have some this week, right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, first of all, with the MRE, so on MinotaurTradingCompany.com, MinotaurMRE.com, I did create, uh, just a little while ago, I created a coupon code. It's UST, um, UST10, and that gets you 10% uh, off your entire order for Ultimate Survival Tips. Still? You still? You're still going to give us a 10% off even though you're getting low? Yeah, you know, look, here's, here's what it boils down to, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. My prices are the same as they were January 1. I have not raised my prices at all during this crisis. I haven't, I haven't taken advantage of, of the market at all. I've, I've tried to get as much stuff to as many people as possible, and I still feel that way. Yeah, I've, I've, got, I've got enough food in my warehouse right now, to, my personal warehouse, to feed 217 families of four for a year, and that's not going to change. But as far as, so I've got plenty of food myself. 
but work-wise, you know, we sell it until it's gone. And if I can't replace it, I can't replace it. So, yeah, it's I'll still give the discount 10%. It's UST10. That's on MinotaurTradingCompany.com, M-I-N-O-A. I'm sorry, M-I-N-O-T-A-U-R, TradingCompany.com. And other than that, I mean, uh, you can email me at Bob at MRENation.com. Um, my phone number is on the website. You can hit us up on the MRE Nation or the Minotaur Trading Company Facebook pages. Phone numbers on both the websites, both the Facebook pages, guys. So uh, I wish everybody the the best of luck in the months ahead. Um, yes, Dave, I'd love to be on your your podcast again. Um, we we've got some dark and troubling times ahead of us, and, and people need to be made aware of what's going on so that one they can prepare for it, and two, when it happens, it's not a shock and a panic to them. You know, they they can they can survive it if they know what's coming. Yep. So. Well, so a lot of people weren't ahead of the uh, original pandemic scare and all that. You have an opportunity right. now to get a little bit ahead on this. That's and, right. Uh, Bob, Bob, thank you so much. We'll bring you in in a couple of weeks and we'll uh, maybe catch up on where we're, where things are at at that particular point. Okay, brother? Perfect. Outstanding. Thank Thanks you, for having me, guys. All right, everybody. So we're in the seven tiers of survival food and we're in tier six. And so that's freeze-dried. Now, here's the thing with freeze-dried. It is expensive. It seems expensive, but it's easy to store, lightweight, and you just add water. But most importantly, it's got a 20-year shelf life. So <clears throat> I'm just going to let you right know right now that your freeze-dried food is getting really difficult to get. You're going to find out at most websites that it's a, a 6 to 10-week delay. That, that's pretty tough. I mean, I'd rather have it today than hope that I'm going to have it in six to 10 weeks. But I'm going to tell you that this company, ReadyWise, I do believe that they have food in stock. Um, I picked up a small portion of this just to top off our survival preps from Sportsman's Guide. Sportsman's Guide has been a great sponsor uh, for the Survival Show podcast. So what I just showed you, that was... Uh, that those were entrees and then you can get things like this is a fruit bucket and you can see how light that is but it's still 120 servings not cheap i mean the entree bucket that's over 200 dollars the uh the meats the dehydrated uh freeze-dried meats and the fruits those run over a hundred dollars a bucket for those but it's a good thing to have so that's going to be your tier six. Tier seven. Dun, dun, dun. What could tier seven be? Freeze-dried's got a 25-year shelf life if you treat it right. Tier seven. A lot of people don't think about this, but tier seven is actually your long, long-term food preps. And so I highly recommend if you can get any, what you want to do is you want to get yourself a seed vault that is... You specifically want heirloom seeds. And what that means for you is that you can take the seeds from the plants when they grow and you can you replant can, them. You can dry them out and you can replant them next year. Unlike the, uh, the GMO ones that are made to never reproduce right. seed. So they grow once and then that's it. Yep. It's pretty special. And a lot of your hybridized seeds are going to do the same thing. So you need to get heritage or heritage or heirloom seeds. And there are several companies, like I got these from, I believe, uh, My Patriot Supply. And uh, you can get some. I did check Amazon like a day or two ago, and I believe you can still get them. 
uh, you can go to, uh, for all of these things, you all can go over to kit.co forward slash ultimate survival tips. And I've got a bunch of lists on all the items you need for food preps. One thing I want to get back to, uh, so our seven tiers of food are, one, it's your kitchen items that you have. Maybe you've got a couple of days to a couple of weeks of food. Macaroni and cheese signifies that, although macaroni and cheese stored right will last a long time. But that's your everyday, everyday food supply. I get you a, a week or two weeks. Then you have your freezer foods. Uh, then you have your bulk foods. Those will get you a year to three. And those are going to contain your rice, beans, your sugar, salt, flour, uh, bullion cubes, like Bob mentioned, your DIY dehydrated stuff, your DIY canned stuff. And one thing I want to mention, okay, so here's a here's a, a can of lentil soup that my wife put up. This is awesome stuff. Gabe, you've had some of this before too. And one thing I want you to notice is these glass jars are reusable. However, the... Uh, the tops that seal on here are typically bought at a store and they're not reusable. So you would have to either buy a whole bunch of these, uh, these tops, or there are some companies and I'm going to pitch a little company that is, uh, you can go to canninglids.com. It's a U.S. company. Lids are made in the USA. And here you go. It's a it's a nylon lid made in the USA that you can reuse time and time again. They say you can get at least five or six years out of a lid. And they have these gaskets. So these gaskets have a life, again, of five to seven uses. So when you buy the lids, you buy them in bulk, you, buy, you get the gaskets to go with the lids, and then you can buy extra gaskets. So if you're into canning or you want to be into canning, you want to go over to canninglids.com or there's a couple other uh, companies, but I like these ones because uh, this is where we got ours from and it's a U.S. company and I like that. So you need to know that if you're going to put up your own canned food. Uh, our tier number four is production canned food. Easy to get. Go get yourself some now. Then we've got MREs. Bob still get, got MREs in stock. Go check him out freeze-dried, and then heritage seeds doing a garden, all right? Another thing you need to make sure of, a lot of these foods to reconstitute them, especially your freeze-dried, your dehydrated, and uh, preparing bulk, you need to be thinking about water, too. We'll cover that in another another podcast, Gabe, and whew, wow, that was a lot of stuff. <laughs> it was uh, well, uh, well-versed, well, kind of broad scope there. Yep. Anything else we need to talk about before we get on out of here? Man, we're busy solving the world's problems, so I guess, I mean, what else do we need to say? <laughs> All right, just getting out of here, just remember the critical rule of threes. We've got a lot of anomalies happening in the world. Uh, do something now to take care of your family, take care of yourself, your, your food supply. Um, you're a little bit ahead of the curve if you're uh, watching this shortly after we put it out. So take advantage of that. Do what you need to do. I'm not saying hoard food, but get what you need. All right. I'll take us out of here. Sounds good. All right, everybody. Thank you for hanging out with us in the podcast today. I wish this was like a more encouraging topic, but we are the Survival Show podcast. We are Ultimate Survival Tips. 
And like I mentioned earlier in the show, you know, it's been survival hobby for many years. Now we're talking about real stuff. This is the real stuff. Take care of your family. Uh, next time, what we're going to start doing here on a weekly basis is we're going to start helping you build out an emergency disaster long-term plan. So this is this was kind of like the introduction to that. And because of the timeliness of getting yourself bulk foods before you just can't get them anymore, I wanted to bring this to the forefront. But I want to mention over at AllAlimentSurvivalTips.com, we do have a 72-hour home emergency disaster kit checklist, part one, for you available. That's at AllAlimentSurvivalTips.com. Also, uh, yeah, so subscribe to the show if you haven't done so. If you have, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, give us a thumbs up on YouTube, Facebook. Give us a like. Uh, go over to your favorite podcast app, uh, iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and leave us a comment. Those encourage us a lot. Thank you guys so much. Don't forget our sponsors for today, Tiny Survival Guide, MSK One Knife. You all need the Tiny Survival Guide. It's not a bad idea to get yourself a great knife that's built for the rest of your life. I guess that's it. Thanks for watching, everybody. Remember, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp. Thank you.